Welcome back to another episode of the Fire the Family podcast. We haven't made an episode for about almost two months. We've been busy, and if you've been following along with the last episode that we made, it was about uh, moving our family from Washington State to Texas, and we recorded that prior to moving, probably just a couple weeks, and uh, this episode is going to be all about looking backwards on the trip, talking about some of you know, the fun things that we've learned uh, during that move. And that's the, this is the third move that we've made as a family, like halfway across the country. So Kayla's here with me. She's going to be my co-host from now on. And uh, we're going to talk kind of about the things that we learned, what it's like to move across the country with three kids, two pets, a big U-Haul, a car on a trailer, and a separate car. And uh, we learned a lot. And we saved a lot of money doing some, you know, critical things during the move. And I think that's super valuable for other people that might be considering moving. Um, so right now, kind of the update is that we're here, we're in Texas, we're moved in uh, into what I would call our dream house. And if you follow us on Instagram at Fire the Family, you'll see some stuff about kind of the house that we're living in and uh, just a lot more behind the scenes uh, information. So I can't believe we've been here for, what, three or four weeks, almost a month. Yeah. And um, we've just been trying to explore the local area and... Uh, if you've been keeping up with the news, Texas is spiking in coronavirus cases, so everything's pretty much closed, uh, just like it was in Washington when we left. So we're just dealing with that currently and trying to get out when we can and get out to the lake. We went to uh, Canyon Lake last week, and that was at least last weekend, last two weekends, and that's been a lot of fun to explore. Yeah, we went to, to two separate beaches on Canyon Lake. And the first one, we thought it was amazing and awesome. And we were so excited to be there. And then this past weekend, we went to a different section of the lake. And we just couldn't believe it. It was like even better than the first time. So we absolutely love being out there. It's only about 30 minutes from where we're at. And so we plan on being out there quite a bit while it's this hot outside. Yeah, and the... The neat thing is, is where we're from in the Pacific Northwest, you can really only swim in the bodies of water, like the lakes and rivers during uh, the two months of summer. Like Other July and August. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just too cold. The weather's too cold. The water's super cold. Like it's nice water. It's clean and crisp and clear and from the mountains and glaciers and stuff. But uh, it's different when you're actually able to like enjoy the time that you're in the water and not being cold the whole time. So before we get too far, uh, this episode is sponsored by Saveology. You can support our website and podcast by simply going to firethefamily.com slash resources. If you scroll down a little bit, you can get a free financial report card from Saveology in just five minutes. It's 100% free and our website will get a very small kickback from Saveology for every form that's completed. Uh, it's a great way to support what we're doing here uh, without you know having to give us anything personally and you get something of value in return. So some big updates um, on the website, firethefamily.com is like our primary platform uh, because we own the platform and uh, we do have an Instagram account at Fire the Family. Uh, I am starting a YouTube channel. I converted one of my old channels uh, that I'm going to be posting some videos on regularly. And I guess the biggest update is that um, we're going to take part of our uh, office. It's like a 10 by 12 office. Uh, and put in two comfortable chairs and a coffee table and two microphones and we're gonna record our podcast uh, with a video. And I think that'll be a neat thing to do. The podcast channel has been doing really well. I think we're just over 10,000 downloads and uh, I think that's a good logical next step. Um, you know, Our home base will still be the website 
But uh, this is just a neat way to reach more people and give, give you guys some more insight into us and who we are. And uh, we can kind of begin to, um, we'll begin to execute more on kind of our plan to reach more families, more parents, uh, more people like us, and uh, be able to just give more value that way. A couple more updates. Uh, my book draft is completely finished. So I'm targeting a September 30th release, and that gives some time to uh, get it revised, get it edited, and make sure that it's just uh, as perfect as I want it to be. And uh, we'll uh, be doing some guest podcasting on other channels and um, a couple other things you know, to support the release of that. If you go to the website, firethefamily.com, and uh, just sign up for my mailing list, you'll get some uh, some free like previews of, of what I'm doing, what I'm writing about. Um, that'd be a great way to stay up to date with that. And uh, we added a new category to the website. Uh, it's going to be career category. So we're going to talk about things like networking on LinkedIn, getting into certain job industries, um, you know, relating your education, your experience to getting jobs and stuff like that. I feel like it's a prime time to uh, share our experience with landing jobs, getting education and that kind of thing, because a lot of people are out of work right now and it might be super helpful. So to get into today's, today's topic, we're going to talk about geo-arbitrage. Like I said, we're going to talk about the, uh, the move. Um, so to start, I guess it would just be you know, going leg to leg um, from start to finish of our trip. So we did it over five or six days. And uh, our first stop was from Washington State to Boise, which wasn't a super long drive. It was what, no, like five it was, hours? It was about like three and a half hours, four hours um, was the supposed to be drive. It took us a little bit longer because of the kids and the pets, but... Um, it was pretty easy to get there. What we did was we had looked at the, the main trip that it was going to take us and we broke it down by the biggest cities because we stayed in Airbnbs and it kind of limited our choices, especially because we had the pets. Um, and there were even a lot of Airbnbs that would accept dogs and not cats. So that limited us even further. Um, but it, we, we did break it down. So Boise was our first stop and we absolutely loved that house. It was a super cute neighborhood. Everybody was super friendly. The hardest part was finding parking for the U-Haul in the trailer. That was a little frustrating, I think. But, but I mean, I don't know. It went pretty good overall. That was probably the hardest part of the entire trip was we had a 20, the 26 foot U-Haul and the car trailer was uh, hauling my Ford Explorer, which was another 10 or 12 feet probably. So we were, we were probably close to 40 feet of total length. I would and, say, yeah. um, you know, I've, I've driven U-Hauls around. Uh, I did a short stint at an RV sales lot and drove some RVs around. And then uh, I used to tow airplanes uh, when I was in the military. When I was in the Air Force, we'd tear, uh, tow the big... Uh, KC-135 in-flight refuelers around the flight line. But, I mean, that's you have 10 people helping you out with that, you know, spotting you and telling you what, where to go, and you're going like three miles an hour. The U-Haul was like a, a significant challenge. And I think Boise, I got stuck uh, turning onto like a kind of a dead-end parking lot and had to back out around the corner and had to wait for Kayla to park, go into the house, get the boys, walk the boys out to where I was, stand in the middle of the street street to stop traffic with children children, (laughs) and then allow me to to back around the corner. And I was just like, this is going to, this whole trip's going to just be a nightmare if this is going to be the experience, but I did it. And, uh, it was a success. And we knew that was going to be the downside of staying in bigger cities. But like I said, I mean, we were really limited on our choices. So we kind of just had to go in head first and make it work. Well, and with the coronavirus, there's a lot less people traveling. So there was more, probably more availability for that month than there 
you know, would have been being summer month and a lot of people traveling. But the downside was that, um, uh, you know, with the pets and the U-Haul trying to find a space to park. So Airbnbs, I think we're, we were super thankful that we decided to go that route rather than trying to find, I guess, hotels that allow pets. Um, and nobody likes cats and our cat's a hundred percent indoor cat. He spent like 20 minutes outside his entire life. And, um, you know, he doesn't, he's never gone to the bathroom outside of a a litter box. So nobody knows our cat. Our cat's perfectly fine. Uh, the second leg of the trip was Boise to Salt Lake city, uh, which I think was an also a great drive. Anytime we're going from like, anytime we were going from like a place that we were kind of looking forward to getting there, like Utah is a cool place. It's a great place to drive a great state to drive through. And so I think we were all just kind of excited to, to continue on the trip. We weren't tired of each other. We weren't tired of in the car at this point. And there was a couple of neat like rest stops along the way uh, in, in Salt Lake in Utah. The only frustrating part about staying in Salt Lake again was parking the U-Haul. The Airbnb that I picked, I didn't look on um, like Google first to see the outside, like Google Maps. And it was off like an eight lane highway, like right off of the highway. And there was no parking for the U-Haul on the driveway because we had the attached trailer. So Nick had to drive around and find parking off of a side street off of another neighborhood. And we had to drive the car back and forth to get the luggage out. So that was frustrating. Um, But again, (laughs) kind of a necessity with the way that we were traveling. I have another U-Haul story. We were, like she said, we were on like an eight lane, it, like it was like a freeway, but it was like 50 miles an hour. Um, and if you're, if you live in Salt Lake, you know, probably know what I'm talking about. I was actually really surprised to discover that Salt Lake City doesn't have a, a super large population for as big as the city seemed. Um, I haven't, I haven't spent a lot of time in Salt Lake, but, uh, yeah, we were trying to find parking for the U-Haul and there was, I was using my maps on my phone to try to identify like a side street that we could pull down. And there was like a long street cul-de-sac, uh, right next, like right around the corner, probably an eighth of a mile from where we were staying. And so I was like, let's drive down here. Worst case scenario, I can turn around and uh, come back out the other side. Well, it was like a dumpy cul-de-sac that didn't have a turnaround. It was just a road that ended and it was full of cars, full of like, trucks and other people's stuff and it was kind of um kind of dilapidated and so there was not a lot of room for my big u-haul and as i'm turning Riker, my oldest points out that it's a there's a dead end sign i'm like oh it's okay it's a cul-de-sac of course it's a dead end and so i and i part of me my gut feeling was telling me don't turn down the, <laughs> don't turn down the street and i had already driven around the block like four times trying to find a place to park well all the businesses parking lots etc. Don't let you park there overnight. And I didn't want to risk getting a parking ticket or anything like that. Um, and so pull down this, the side street and long story short, uh, I got stuck. And so I had to do like an eight point turn, uh, almost jackknifed the trailer, finally got, you know, to a spot where I think I was okay parking in front of someone's house. I went and knocked on the door. They gave me permission to park there, but I could kind of tell they didn't really want me to. And so I was like, okay, we'll just back around the corner because I'll have to do it in the morning anyways. And I noticed like the stoplight would stop traffic for a set amount of time. And so I was like, you know, we have a window when I get out there to make this happen. Well, I start backing up and a giant flatbed Mack truck pulls in behind me and is blocking the road. And there's, I look over and there's a giant construction dumpster that he's trying to pick up. And I'm like in front of it and in the way. So we talked for a minute and I was like, you know, I can pull forward and let you unload it or load it up and leave. 
And then he offered to just help me back around the corner. And I was like, sweet. So he went and stood out in the road. He back, backed me up to the corner and I went to go back around the corner and I thought I was doing it perfectly, which I was doing pretty good, but I was backing the wrong direction. And so I realized quickly that like oncoming traffic was happening. It was going to happen. And my son realized that shortly after I did and like freaked out and was started like, at, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he's eight. And so I'm, and he's on the U-Haul with me with our dog. And so I'm just like, the best thing to do is stay calm. And worst case scenarios, traffic's just going to stop and to let me go. And so we had this short window of opportunity, backed around the corner, kicked it in the drive and gunned it and traffic was already coming. And so I like let one car go to my right and then cut off like two other cars when I made it out to the other side of the road. But that was a pretty uh, stressful experience, but we did it. And that was like my first big, besides the first backing around the corner in Boise, that was like my first big dad moment that I like in front of my son, I didn't let him down. And so those are the moments you want to capitalize on because they'll remember those. But other than that, Salt Lake was pretty cool. The Airbnb was a little... It was okay. That was probably my least favorite Airbnb that we um, had stayed in on the whole trip. Yeah. It was it was decent. It was old. It was in an okay part of town. Probably not the nicest part of town. And um, it worked. We were just staying there for one night. So it was fine. Um, and then after Salt Lake, we left Salt Lake City to go to Denver, and that was one of the longer drives. Mm-hmm. It was like seven it hours. Was seven and a half hours, but it took us longer. We were on the road for about 10 hours that day because, again, the boys and the dog. Yeah. You have to add in. We had we realized that we would add in like anywhere from two to three hours, one and a half to three hours uh, each day just for stopping. And we didn't stop that much. We didn't do any sightseeing that you couldn't just see from the road. And we only stopped uh, when our you know, kids had to go to the bathroom. So a big tip is to just find out who your weakest link is. And that was our middle kid because he's not in a diaper anymore, but he couldn't hold it as long as our oldest kid. And so he was our weakest link. And so we tried only stopping when he needed to stop to go to the bathroom. And then we made everyone go to the bathroom and then we'd have a snack and then we'd you know stretch a little bit and get back in the car and try to get as many miles as we could before he needed to stop again. And our youngest was in a diaper. So... Uh, that made it easy. Uh, Denver, driving to Denver is cool. I like once you're into Colorado, there's a lot of neat scenery and really cool rock formations. Um, just, uh, just between uh, Wyoming and, uh, and Denver, it's, it was, I thought that was really neat, but the wind was really bad. Yeah. The drive to Denver was probably my least favorite. I mean, not only was it the longest, but driving through Wyoming was pretty boring. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't a lot to look at. So it was just kind of like get there as fast as we can type deal. But once we got into Denver, it was pretty cool. I mean, we drove right through downtown, which was awesome to be able to see some of the stuff down there. And the Airbnb was, I mean, just right off an exit of downtown. It was right there. So if you were going like at a different time than what's going on right now, it would have been a really, really cool spot. I really, really liked that Airbnb a lot. It was really nice. Yeah. And the the interesting thing is like, I had all these plans to like try to find places to sightsee and see like the garden of the gods in Colorado. And we had done Pikes Peak in the past when we had traveled uh, to Colorado from Kansas. And the reality is with all the kids and nap time and being hungry and having to go to the bathroom and having to make six, seven, eight hours on the road, it's just not feasible to, to assume that you'll be able to stop at all unless it's an absolute necessity like gas, food or bathroom. And so what we found was that we just had to eat up as many miles as we could and get to our destination because our desti- we were, it was a one-way trip. So our destination was really 
like a vacation in itself, a whole new place to explore, and it'd be worth it when we got here. So we'd limited how much sightseeing we did. Otherwise, it would have taken us like 10 days. Yeah, easily. It would have taken way too long. Because once, once we hit like 5 o'clock, the kids were done being in the car. They just, they got cranky. They didn't nap super well. They were hungry. They were super tired. And uh, it just... Not only that, but we were done. I mean, it's hard to sit in the car for, for that long or a U-Haul for that long. So everyone was just... We didn't want to make any extra stops just based on that alone. Yeah, and we felt it was best to stop, get food, go to bed, get, you know, leave the next morning and not uh, not be tired the whole time because sleep deprivation will compound and it'll get worse and worse and worse. And if you're on your, like your fifth or sixth day of the trip, everyone's just going to be exhausted. And we didn't want that to happen. Um, because Kayla had to ride in the car with the two, the two youngest boys. So she had a very different experience than I did. I thought this was going to be great for me. Like riding in the car with the two youngest kids and the cat. How easy is that? Um, no, they were super whiny. The kids in my car got tired by like two or three o'clock, they were done for the day. So at that point they were crying, they were at each other, they were mad. And it, it was just, it was hard. The first part of the day, no problem. The last part of the day was a little rough. And I think Nick could tell when we would stop on those last couple hours, he was like, why are you so grumpy? Every time we get out of the car, you're grumpy. I'm like, you do not have to ride in this car. It is not fun by the end of the day. I mean, the cat was the easiest part. He, we got medicine for both of our pets just because we didn't know how they'd make the trip. And the pets did amazing, actually. Because they were sedated. Wait, well, and way better than we thought. Yeah, Henry would have, our dog would have had a fit if he was not sedated. That was a good thing we did that. And the cat just, as long as he was out of his um, pet carrier, he was fine. He'd just roam around the car, find a sunny spot to nap. It was pretty easy. Um, but the next stop was Amarillo, right? Is yeah, Denver to, Denver to Amarillo. Yeah, I like that. Drive. Which was cool because that signified like we were in Texas. We were in Texas. It was so exciting. Even though it was still going to take us like three more, yeah. you know, three more days of travel to get through Texas because it's just so big. It was cool to get into Amarillo. It was like um, one of those places like you obviously hear about in country music. And it's just a kind of an interesting, sounds like an interesting place. It reminded me a lot of Wichita, Kansas, like an awful lot. A lot. Um, just the way it was, the city was laid out. It wasn't a super big, you know, city, but it looked like a cool place. It was kind of out in the middle of nowhere, which is similar to where we're from. It's like four hours from Dallas. It was, what, four or five? five was it a lo another long trip from Denver? It was another long trip from Denver, wasn't it? It was about six and a half yeah. hours. So, so it was our second longest. Yeah, but it was neat because it it was like, it looked like the Australian outback when you got when we pulled in uh, because of just the way the bushes are and the trees and the desert. And there was an area that was even called like the Amarillo Bush or something like that. I can't remember what they called it, but it was like the country area. Um, but yeah, neat town and the, the Airbnb, like once we got into Texas, the neighborhoods were way more spread out, a lot more parking, a lot, easier. a lot easier. And I still managed to, uh, I was like, oh yeah, you know, at this point I had been, I'd had like 20 hours of driving the U-Haul <laughs> under my belt. So I was pretty confident and we were driving down the street and I was like, oh, I'll just flip around and, and pull up next to the house. So I was going to use someone's driveway to flip around. Well, even, you know, as long as the driveway was, it was super were, long. Like, extra long driveway. Yeah, it still wasn't enough, like enough room for me. And so I ended up like messing up the trailer again and I had to back up like over the the neighbors, like two, three houses down from the Airbnb. Like I backed up over their grass and their bush 
and I left some tread marks on their driveway. And I had to go all around the around the block again a few times to get it lined up with the house we were staying in. But luckily, there's street like easy street parking on that street. So yeah. once he got turned around, it was fine, and he was parked right in front of the house, which was really nice. Yeah, and uh, another tip is that we just had dinner ordered when we got to the yes. Airbnb. We used Uber Eats, DoorDash, and even if coronavirus wasn't a big deal or wasn't it was around, so it was still easier. so much easier. Our original plan was we were gonna eat lunch on the road, like stop through fast food or something, which didn't happen. We were not hungry. Driving in the car, we'd eat like snacks that I packed in the cooler, like cheese sticks, fruit snacks, that type of stuff. But we didn't wanna eat fast food. And by the time we got to wherever we were staying at night, we were starving, but we didn't wanna go out to a grocery store and get stuff to make dinner, because I didn't want to pack five coolers to have enough food for all of us for the whole trip. So we did, we did Uber Eats. We decided on the very first night in Boise, we did pizza, but after that we did Uber Eats almost every night. In Amarillo, I I picked up the Olive Garden that we got because oh, yeah. um, it was gonna be faster. We had, we had 24 breads, <laughs> we had an order of 24 breadsticks. Oh, yeah. She paid $3, <laughs> she paid $3 for extra breadsticks. And I had a box, like a two foot long box full of breadsticks. <laughs> I think what happened was when you order meals to go, which we have never done from Olive Garden, but when you order meals to go, it comes with like two salads and breadsticks for people. And I didn't realize it came with breadsticks already. So I had added on an order of breadsticks. And so I think it probably originally comes with like 12 breadsticks. And we just got double. Yeah, we got way <laughs> too many. It was ridiculous. But that was a neat thing to do. The, the thing that we didn't adjust, didn't think about going into it, we, I mean, briefly did, but didn't realize like how difficult it would make it was the time change. And so we, on one of our longer trips, I think when we got into maybe Denver, Denver, Amarillo, there was an hour time change. And uh, that Even was like... Boise was a time change. Yeah, well, Boise was an hour time change. And then, the, yeah, the, the additional hour... Um, Maybe it was when we got to Amarillo. Uh, so was. we moved into Central Time. And uh, that basically, the clock's changed. It's later in the evening. And it just really messed up everybody's, you know, all the kids' cycle. And so when by the time we got to the house and we had the time change, it was like an hour until they would normally be going to bed. But it was still, you know, they were still used to the previous time. So we had to eat. We had to have baths. We had to, you know, wind down. I found that driving like long distance like that just gets me super wound up just I think because of all the constant inputs from the road, being on high alert, driving a trailer and a truck, uh, Kayla getting lost, using the navigation, going down the wrong turn and us having to spend like an hour oh, yeah, driving away from each other. I don't remember what step that was on. <laughs> that was, I think that was, that was on the way to Denver, I think. I think you're right. There was construction, the road split, my, we were using two different navigation apps, which use the same navigation yes. app. Yes. That would have avoided it. And I went one way and she went the other way. And then all of a sudden, like I look in my rearview mirror and I and see her car, I and I was like, "Oh, she caught up. She must have turned around and caught up." And she didn't. didn't. She, the weirdest thing, she stayed on the same. She stayed on the same road, and somehow it merged at one point, and we didn't realize it. And she just ended up behind me. All I can figure out is either it merged at one point, or when I called you, like I wasn't explaining what I did right, yeah. and maybe we did do the same thing, and we just didn't realize it. I was upset because Nick was like, well, I guess we're not gonna have any food because all the food was in my car. And so I was fine driving on my own, but I felt terrible that I had got myself separated. And then before we even either one of us stopped again, we were together, so. 
Yeah, like, that was wild. Like two hours later. Yeah. A neat, a neat thing was um, stopping at the, the rest stops that had like viewpoints in, yeah. uh, in like Wyoming. My son, oldest son really likes rocks and agates and that kind of stuff. And the gravel next to the, this big volcano, I think it was like Elk Mountain uh, in Wyoming, the gravel was all like really neat looking rock. It was all agates and jaspers and the stuff that he, he really likes and some black, some really cool black volcanic rock. And so like that was, they liked that just as much as like going to some, you yeah, know, sightseeing they thing. Did. Uh, and then Amarillo to Dallas, Fort Worth Ooh, area was cool until we got into the city. Most of the times we, so we recognize like coming into a big city, uh, there was always construction entering yeah. and exiting the city. And then, um, but up until Dallas, getting into the Dallas, Fort Worth area, it hadn't been a problem other than like white knuckle driving for a little bit. Uh, just because the roads were so narrow and potholes and, and just wind. and just the wind, uh, and then Dallas Fort Worth was just a traffic jam. So missed my exit, had to go around, flip around, but we we made it to the house and it wasn't you know too bad. And I really liked that house too. It was really which one was that? That was the one that we walked in and it was super colorful and it had the atrium. Oh yeah, yeah. This house had an atrium, like a what, like a ten by ten room that yeah. had it had a, it was open and it had like a netting, like a sun. It was like three sun sun roof sun windows and had like netting so it was open to the outdoors uh -huh. and it had like plants growing in it it had astroturf yeah. and like a gas fireplace it was super cool it was really really cool um i like that place a lot and by the time we got there we had the bj's restaurants again and so we had ordered bj's for dinner yeah pizza we hadn't had since kansas so that was really exciting for us yeah um but no that one it was really cool it yeah and the shower was really nice it had like concrete flooring it was just super modern yeah. really nice house and um that's the big thing about airbnbs is that you're gonna have a comfortable place you're gonna be able to do laundry if you want uh which we did multiple days we did laundry yeah. and so everything was like fresh for the next day ending destination with suitcases full of dirty clothes like that's the last thing i'm gonna want to do so even though i don't want to ever do laundry it was nice to be able to knock a little bits out at a time on our trip and not carry around suitcases full of dirty clothes um and then the city was pretty cool in itself i liked I like Dallas a lot. And then the next day we were really excited because that was when we got to go to our new house. Um, and it was a short trip. It was like three and a half hours and we made it in about four. We only stopped, I think once or twice that trip. Um, and I think that was my favorite and the boys favorites just because we were gonna be here. Like it was the end. Yeah. And the, the drive was just super pretty. And yeah. when you get into Northern Texas, like, uh, it's just super dry, super, super windy. And it was just like, hopefully this isn't what it looks like where we're moving. Cause I don't know if you guys all know this, but we bought our house virtually. Like it wasn't sight unseen. We toured it at the inspection and, and everything. And we've been looking at this area, moving to this, through FaceTime. Through FaceTime yeah. <laughs> we've been looking at moving to this area for like three or four years. Yeah. And, uh, so we, we had already done our due, due diligence on it, like a lot. And we were pretty confident in where we were going to live in the town just because um, of distance to commuting for Kayla's work and, uh, you know, schools, school, school districts and all that stuff. So we already knew where we needed to live. We just had to find a house there. And so it made, that made it a little bit easier. But northern Texas was super dry and desolate and just small town to small town. And um, it was interesting to drive through, but I'm super glad that southern Texas doesn't look like northern Texas. Yeah. And the drive from Dallas to New Braunfels was cool because you went through Waco, then we went through Austin, and then a bunch of the smaller towns like Buda, Temple, Kyle, San Marcos, 
and then New Braunfels where we're at. And so that whole strip of the road was about an hour and it was just neat because this is where we're going to live. It was looking around at the stuff from the freeway and um, it was super, everyone was super excited about it. And then we pulled up to the house and uh, the neighborhood is beautiful. And, you know, I drove, we drove the roads virtually on Google maps um, when, when we were looking for a house, but obviously it doesn't look nearly as good as it does when you're driving in person. Well, and it's really pretty here. There's tons of like green trees all on the sides of the roads everywhere. So it's not just like what Nick was saying up in Northern Texas where there's just nothing. So that was really exciting to see. He, I mean, like you said, we saw it online, but it's different when you're here. Um, and you can't feel the humidity online. No, you cannot. <laughs> it's been very humid this summer, which I don't mind at all. I actually really like it. Um, but... Everybody that we ever talk to about moving to Texas keeps warning us about the humidity. And I'm like, I think it'll be fine. It's a lot different than where we're from, where it's just dry heat and you walk out and you feel like you're on fire because it just burns your skin. Here it's hot and it's humid and it's heavy, but it doesn't, it's not that scorching hot heat. It's just different and I like it better. Yeah, it's like when we would go down to California or Las Vegas from Washington, the heat would just be like way, it felt way hotter and no, not humid, just super, super hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sun just felt hotter. And then uh, from compare Washington, comparing Washington to Texas, it's pretty similar heat wise. Maybe it doesn't feel as hot, but um, from like the sun, but the hum- the general heat, like it's like, oh, it's, it just feels like you wrapped yourself in like a heavy blanket because yeah. it's just kind of warm and heavy. But um, no, it's neat so far and we get rain pretty often. Even this time of year, we've gotten some rain since we've been here, probably at least uh, a couple times a week and things are really green. There's tons of stuff to do. Uh, We see every time we leave the house, we see deer, which is super cool for being in a really heavily populated area. There's like a, there's over a million people in Austin. There's a million and a half people in San Antonio. So it's, I think it's reasonable to assume that there's probably about 3 million people within an hour of us. Mm -hmm which is a lot of people, more than we're used to. Um, our, the town, the city we came from is only like 250,000 people and uh, about four hours to get to any major city like Seattle, Portland, uh, Spokane's about two hours away. But uh, yeah, so a lot of people, but it doesn't feel that crowded and it, they've done a really good job at maintaining like the nature and trees and forest and all that stuff. So we're super excited to be here and we've discovered lots of neat little things and we really haven't even scratched the surface on what we're able to do or what there is to do uh, because of the coronavirus. So for us, like uh, it's super exciting. The house is amazing. Um, we found a bunch of little things about the house that we really liked that we didn't know, like a bunch of attic space that we we didn't see during the tour. Uh, it's like a whole nother room uh, in the garage. Uh, so it gave me enough room to have a home gym, got that set up, and um, have a home office. We have a big laundry room and a nice back patio with a pergola and everything. And um, come to find out the back, the back patio, uh, the, the first owners that bought the house spent like $45,000 supposedly on the back patio, according to our neighbor. Which is one of the things that drew us to the house yeah. because it's amazing. It's like the only house in this, in this whole neighborhood that has a back patio like that, and probably because it's so expensive. But it's uh, the, the normal like 12 by 14 back patio is like flat stone. That extends out to the whole width of the house, like another 10 feet. And the whole width of the house is all that big flat rock. And then there's like four steps of the flat rock, some limestone like rock walls that are like three or four feet high. 
and the pergola and everything. It's super nice. Like I said, if you follow us on Instagram, then you, you'll see it there. Um, but we're super thankful for it. And it, oh, the whole part of geo arbitrage is moving from a high level or high area of cost of living to a low cost of living area, but maintaining that higher level of income. Whether you change jobs or not, the idea is to keep that higher level of income. So we moved to an, from an area where we sold our starter home, like 1,400 square feet for like almost $300,000. And we came down here and bought a house that's twi over twice as big and probably 10 times nicer uh, for barely double than that. Or not double than that, not for 450 Which it would have easily been, what, like 700 Yeah, some of the comparables in the city we lived in were like seven. Six fifty to eight hundred thousand dollars, and uh, for us to have all this room and not be not be breaking the bank when it comes to our mortgage was super uh, super important and a big part of why we moved. But to close it out for this episode, I think we covered a lot of ground. If you're you know interested in moving or relocating, I've written about it on the website firethefamily.com several times about um, you know tips for moving your family across the country, relocating. We've done it three times. Uh, in the last 10 years since, you know, the first time being like 19 years old and this time, you know, we're both 29. So we have a lot of experience with it, moving pets, moving kids. Um, I wrote about a bunch of tips and things. Um, then also, uh, you know, just the whole geo arbitrage idea. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be doing that with remote work and technology and a lot of companies allowing people to work from wherever they want to. And so I think a lot of people are going to be moving out of the bigger cities into smaller cities, but retaining that income. And it's super smart if you can do it the right way and just continue to live within your means. A couple of tips that I think we left out were um, uh, leaving early in the morning, give yourself plenty and just eat a quick snack and get on the road because with kids, that was like the best time to travel. Um, getting gas outside of the city. Uh, it's less busy. They're more spacious and uh, just better all around. You don't feel rushed and it's not as hard to get the U-Haul in and out thinking ahead in the U-Haul, like before you go down a road that says dead end, like maybe don't, maybe don't do it. Uh, or look on your maps, you know, for side streets because it's a new place. You're driving a giant vehicle and the last thing you want to do is get it stuck. Uh, especially when you're not going to have any help. Uh, only stop. We talked about this only stop when your weakest link needs to stop. That will kind of help maximize the time on the road and the miles that you're able to get each day. Uh, because if, you, if you're doing Airbnbs, the last thing you want to do is not make it to your next destination because you don't have a place to stay. And I think you, 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 you have to reserve the Airbnb like a full day ahead or like 10 hours ahead of time. Uh, maximizing miles during nap time. Two of our kids still nap. So when they were napping, it wasn't time to stop and get lunch. It wasn't time to stop and go to the bathroom. We drove as far as, as, far as we could. So we had to make sure to stop just before nap time, get everybody fed, go to the bathroom. And then we were in nap time from anywhere for an hour to three hours, just depending on how long yes. they napped. Uh, and then the last one was, is have dinner delivered. And we talked about that. Uh, but yeah, again, thanks for, you know, spending time with us on this episode. Look out for more weekly episodes. We're going to post two articles a week, uh, typically on the weekends and do one podcast episode a week. We're going to be posting eventually when we get um, probably starting next month when we get a little recording studio set up. We're going to be posting videos on YouTube. Um, the channel's up and live. There's like five videos from when I ran the channel previously and did some experimental videos. I think one of them's about at a million views. Uh, but I think it's got like 500 subscribers right now. If you just go to YouTube and type in Fire the Family under the channels, you can find it there. And uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Fire the Family. But other than that, yeah, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. And, uh, you know, shoot me a DM. Let me know that you exist and that you, that you heard the episode.